When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't know how it's already Thursday, but with the calendar, it is Thursday, May 4th. Hard to believe. I mean, we are already just a few days into the month of May. We have wrapped up the NFL draft. We gave our winners and losers from the Bengals offense and defenses. If you missed those podcasts, go to cleveland.com slash podcast wherever you get your podcast spotify apple you name it we got those pods for you today we're going to kind of branch out though and focus on more than just the Bengals offense we're going to look at the top seven passing attacks in the afc we chose seven because there's seven teams that make the playoffs from each conference so granted who knows maybe these seven teams are the teams that make the playoffs next year i would think at least 80 percent of them would so here we go. Welcome into another Strictly Stripes podcast edition, joined by Muhammad Ahmad, yours truly, with Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis. So the order we have set up is we're going to go one through seven. So the number one passing attack all the way to the number seven passing attack. Again, this is in the AFC, not the NFL. This is in the AFC. So Mike is going to go first, then Andrew, then me, and we're going to keep doing that order until we get through uh, the seventh team. So... Uh, really just kind of j- just jumping into it. Um, Mike, like I said, you're going to be the first guy just from thinking about, you know, best quarterbacks out there and the receiving duos. Who would you say is the top passing attack in the National Football League? Well, I thought we're projecting a, for picking going forward. Um, so, you know, what right. they get from draft and free agency as well. Right. Uh, I would pick the Chargers number one. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, I think, um, is as good as any quarterback out there. And the, but then their skill players, um, as impressive of a group. Um, you know, they were third in passing last year. They add Quentin uh, Johnson in the first round TCU receiver. They have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen still, uh, underrated tight end and Gerald Everett. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Eckler. Uh, you know, obviously he was a big reason why that offense went. He had 1600. Uh, total uh, yards last year from scrimmage. Um, somebody that, uh, you know, with the, from a trade perspective, I think would fit the, what the Bengals are looking for. But um, depending on what they do there, that could take a hit. But um really like what that offensive core is. Uh, obviously, um, you know, I think as good of a, a group as there is. It's interesting. Um, I guess, obviously, so they drafted what? It was Quinton Johnson? Is that who they selected Johnson, in the first round? Yeah. So I guess like, you know, them, them picking Johnson, how much did that kind of factor into your decision, Mike? Because I think that's very interesting. Well, it gave, it gave them, you know, a pretty impressive three, three, three receiver set uh, with Williams, Allen, and Johnson. I mean, Allen and uh, Williams were, I think, were the highest paid receiving duo uh, in yep. the league last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, statistically a, a little bit, a little down last year, but I mean, they're getting the ball to all those different guys. Um, you know, I think you have to take some, you know, you have to sacrifice your personal numbers when you have, you know, you know, same with the Bengals when you have all those um, options. But I, I mean, I think Justin Herbert, uh, you know, really can't go wrong in distributing the ball. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's an impressive group. And depending on whether it's Burrow or Herbert, one of those two is going to be paid big time this offseason. We don't know who's going to get paid more, but, I mean, you look at that, and, yeah, the Eckler situation is interesting. I like the point made about the Bengals. I've seen people kind of talking about that, but I don't see a trade scenario happening anytime soon. But, Andrew, what do you think? Do you tip your hat to the Chargers and say you are going to be the best passing team in the AFC next year? Well, I think they're probably from top to bottom, you know, from they're probably the most talented. Um, you know, I think you can look at, just from the quarterback situation, you know, there's, you know, you could kind of make a case that Burrow or excuse me, that Herbert belongs in that conversation with Burrow and with Allen. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily insane. Um, so you have a, a really good quarterback. Uh, and then, like Mike said, you've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And I know Mike Williams has been injured, but, you know, you've got guys that can go get the football. And, you know, obviously this isn't play a huge part in this, but I mean, your fourth receivers, Joshua Palmer, um, you drafted uh, Darius Davis, uh, Quentin Johnson's teammate from TCU, who's who's a little bit smaller but kind of stretches the field. Um, that, at tight end, they don't really do anything for me. Gerald Everett, I, eh, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, fifty-eight uh, catches, career high, career high of receiving yards. I mean, he, 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 you know, it's the same thing where the Bengals. Maybe it's not a name, but they they elevate it just based on. You know, how they use him and, and based on those other receivers. So, I mean, he, he lived up to what they needed him to do. So, I mean, I don't – you know, he's been he's been around the league, well, I think six years now. Um, you know, not a flashy name, but somebody that obviously can get something done. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, I think that, you know, their, their depth receivers, you have Joshua Palmer, you have Davis, you have Guyton. Uh, I mean, that's a really, really deep receiving core. It's – you, I mean, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that, you know, who's better, the Bengals or the Chargers in their receiving uh, their receiving depth. But I think it's pretty undeniable that the Chargers are deeper. Um, just, you know, I, I kind of like what they've done. They've got some proven NFL guys that are at the bottom of that depth chart. So, yeah, I mean, the Chargers are going to air it out this year, and uh, they're going to obviously be really successful doing it. So, Andrew, who's going to air it out the most after the Chargers? Who do you have as the second best passing attack offense in the well, AFC. We were, I mean, if we were doing this and I had the number one pick, um, I take the chiefs. Um, you know, I take the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> like Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes had a 67% completion percentage last year. He threw for 5,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Uh, he's the best player at his position. He's probably the best player in the league. Um, I know there's some case to be made for, you know, like an Aaron Donald or something like that, but I mean, a guy, he doesn't turn the ball over uh, very, very much. He, he throws all over the yard every week. Uh, he's just, he's so good. And it, it's just kind of hard for me to, you know, we, we're, we're going to get down the list and we're going to have some kind of interesting conversations, I think, uh, with how you evaluate a team that maybe has some receivers, but maybe the quarterback is a little lacking. I, I don't know. I just I take Mahomes because um, not only do you have Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey. Uh, so you have the you know you have a guy who you know is pretty much guaranteed 100 plus catches. You know, 1,250 yards at least. He had 1,300 last year. 
Uh, he's the best tight end in the game. You have the best quarterback in the game. And I think it's it's kind of unfair to think of Kelsey in the same mold as like, you know, the Bengals think of Irv Smith or the Chargers think of Everett. It, it, they're they're two completely different players, and, and Kelsey's so good. So you know, you have him. You lose Juju this off season, you know, but you still have uh, MVS. Uh, they just signed McKinnon. Um, you know, I think they're hoping for for big things from Sky Moore in year two. They draft Rasheed Rice in the second round. Like they've got some, they've got some some young talent. But again, I think we've kind of seen that the it doesn't particularly matter when you know who you throw out there with Patrick Mahomes because he's going to succeed with whoever he's got. Well, does it though? Because I think with Sky Moore, like we didn't really see much from him last year. Like if you look at his stats, I mean. He really only had like what twenty two catches, two hundred and fifty yards, started three games, which is mm-hmm. because I think there were times where like he just made a lot of mistakes, like he fumbled three times. I mean, really the most success he had, I think, was on special teams, like that punt we saw at the AFC championship game. I mean, I don't know, like do you think he makes that that big step up? Plus I mean, we don't know about Rasheed Rice, he's a rookie. Like, do you think he could do the same thing without Juju Smith Schuster or Tyreek Hill? Yeah, well, I, no, I, I mean, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to throw anybody in the Tyreek Hill bucket just because that is, uh, that's a really, really high bar to climb. Um, you know, right, I, I, right. you look at you look at last year. I mean, the Chiefs had, uh, you know, you had Hardman and you had Juju kind of above him. Um, you know, so I think you know, you just you need somebody just a split second that can get open and Patrick Mahomes is going to find him. Um, Cause like I said, he's the best quarterback in the game. And I, I it's just kind of hard for me to, to look past that and say, yeah, you know, well, you know, I, I have to turn down a Patrick Mahomes for whatever reason. I just, you know, the receiving core is, is I think talented enough. Uh, you obviously have the best tight end in football and you have the best quarterback in football. And, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where I, I figured I'd go with there. Mike, do you sense a little bit of a, a too much of a Patrick Mahomes bias, or do you think Andrew makes a strong case for the Chiefs at number two? Well, I think one of the reasons you'd pick the Chiefs over even the Chargers is their coaching staff situation with Andy Reid, uh, mm-hmm. that offense, the way he's able to – I think that's why you don't worry as much about the receivers uh, because he's able to sort of um, make it all work no matter what the personnel is. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's a big factor why – I, I just picked the Chargers because of the talent pool available there um, yeah. is much, you know, especially with receiver. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, who their starting three is, I guess, would be um, MVS, more. I, I don't know who the third would be, to be honest. I mean, I, I guess either know, Tony or Rice. I guess Kadarius yeah, Tony's in the mix. I, so, I mean, you know, you look at that compared to the Chargers, that was kind of the difference maker for me. But I don't think that they'll, you know, with. I don't think they'll stumble. I just think it's a matter of, you know, I chose talent over the, you know, the, the abundance of talent versus just Mahomes and Kelsey, where I think, um, you know, they're lacking in the other positions. Plus, obviously, you know, Eric Bieniemy leaves. He goes to Washington and takes the same job that he was in KC as the offensive coordinator. So now it's Matt Nagy. Unsurprising elevation given his experience. We'll see how different or not different the offense is with him next year. But, yeah, I, I like where we're going with this. Um, so I guess – Yours truly has the number three one. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying this with any bias, with this being a Bengals podcast. I think objectively this is the number three passing attack. I think it's the Bengals. Someone was going to say it, and I think honestly, yeah. like, and, and, and I'll get your all's thoughts on this, but, I mean, yeah, you got to put him at number three. Like, he thinks 
We've talked about Joe Burrow. We've talked about Jamar Chase. We've talked about T. Higgins. Now the question is, you know, like Zach Taylor was talking to Solomon Wilcox on a podcast today, and he said this to us last week, like Irv Smith can fit that role in Hayden Hurst. Now maybe he's just saying that, and he's not compete for that starting role. But at this point, since they didn't draft a tight end, I think he almost has to say he's going to be the starter. Does he fill those shoes? I don't know. I mean, he, he he struggled with a lot of injuries in Minnesota. It's a big reason why the Bengals got him for so cheap was because if I looked at him and said, hey, like, you haven't been healthy most of your career. Here's a one-year prove-it deal like they gave to Hayden Hurst. But I don't know, though. I mean, just do basic kind of history. Like, look at C.J. Uzama, elevated with Burrow. Didn't play that good with Dalton until Burrow came. Hayden Hurst, one of the best years of his career with Burrow. So I would think, unless injuries or some weird thing catches up, I don't see why Irv Smith can't do that. Um, I don't see why Jamar Chase doesn't have another 100-catch season, another 100 – or excuse me, another 1,000-yard receiving season. Higgins, I think, goes for – I mean, if not a 1,000, because obviously he filled in for Chase last year. He's going to get at least 800, which is great for a number two receiver in offense with Joe Burrow. And then here's the thing, like – I've said this many times again and again, but like we have to reiterate this. Joe Burrow hasn't had a true offseason, rookie year, COVID restrictions, second year, if you want to call it sophomore year, which is being funny, second year, he's recovering from the torn ACL, and he just about had it last year until his appendix said otherwise, which I definitely think affected the Bengals in their first two games, especially the season opener. I think Burrow has the offseason of his life, not just because he gets paid, which we're going to keep talking about that until that day comes. I mean, I just think he, he's going to have his best training. He's going to have his best regimen. He's going to have everything going his way. And I don't see why, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and I can't forget about Tyler Boyd. I mean, we've got to show him some love. Of course, you can argue he's going to be 30. Uh, next year, he's going into the last year of his contract on his current deal. But I still think he can prove to be one of the best slot receivers in football, which is why I don't know if the Bengals can keep him like for that reason past next year. So, yeah, I got to go with the Bengals at number three. I mean, do you guys agree with that, or do you think you got to make some room for some other big cats at number three? No, no, that that's fair. I think that uh, I think that when you talk about the AFC, um, you know, the Bengals are certainly top three. I think you can kind of debate the merits of one, two, three, and maybe even four. But yeah, they're they're certainly up there. Yeah, I don't think there's – I mean, I think they're among that group. I think the uh, running back situation and tight end situation are are concerning, which is why I knocked them, um, you know, down from, from my list. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, like you mentioned, like if the tight end situation was different, maybe you make the case for being a little bit higher. But otherwise, I think, yeah, we're, we're pretty unanimous on that, which, I mean, for a Bengals podcast, that's pretty impressive. So good for us. See, look, we're – we're in agreement. We're and we're making making all these rankings like that. That's the spirit of the podcast. Well, stay with us. We're going to see how long we stick with that because we are going to finish up ranking our list. Who rounds out the spots four through seven on our list? Well, stay tuned and find out when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we ranked our top three offenses in the AFC. We have four more to get through because we're making our top seven. And just to fill you in, we have the Chargers at one, which Mike picked, the Chiefs at two, which Andrew picked, and in the spirit of a Bengals podcast, the Bengals at three, which I picked. Uh, before we get to pick number four, which is going to go to Mike this time, going with our order, we're going to remind you guys to sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. Uh, it is our subtext service that we do with you, the listener, the fan, the reader, every day. Me, Mike, and Andrew send you one, if not multiple, texts a day. We have a lot of great discussion with you guys on everything related to the Bengals before it gets to social media, before it gets to the web, and before it gets to this podcast. And we engage with you guys on this podcast. To sign up, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a two-week free trial to start. After that, it's four ninety nine a month. And... Make sure you sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and select the Strictly Stripes newsletter. It's free. It's in your inbox every morning, and you get all the reporting from me, Mike, and Andrew. So without further ado, Mike, who do you have as the number four best passing attack in the AFC? Well, yeah, I I think um, the Dolphins are going to be up there. Um, You know, obviously, Tua had all those injury scares, and and I think that really hurt them last year. Hopefully that's all behind him. Assuming he's healthy, um, there's nobody in the league with team speed that matches the Dolphins. Uh, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, they draft uh, Andrews guy, uh, A-Chain, running back. They were fourth in passing as it was last year, and that was with all the injuries they had with Tua and the scary moments. And so um, you know, if he has a full season, uh, stays upright, uh, I think that that could be in a pretty impressive offense. Obviously, their coaching situation, too, in terms of, you know, finding a guy that can maximize offensive talent. Um, and Mike McDaniel, I think, is, is pretty good. So I had them um, as, you know, the, the kind of the next uh, next one. So that's... So, so before I kind of say what I'm going to say, Andrew, like, what do you think? Like, do you, do you think the Dolphins should be a lower, little lower? I mean, I think we can all agree on the receivers. I, I like that, what you mentioned with Tyreek Hill. And obviously, I love the Devin A. Chain pick. But do you trust Tua enough to stay healthy to where you can put the Dolphins at four versus, like, maybe six or seven, or if not lower? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't have picked the, the Dolphins if I had, if I had the, uh, if I had that pick. I think, you know, kind of, it's hard to make that declaration for me without really knowing what's going on at quarterback. Um, you know, and I, I understand it was a lot of injury related stuff, but uh, again, I'm just not sure. Like I think two was fine as a starter, but, and, and yeah, he has incredible receivers, um, you know, in, in Tyreek and in Waddle. But again, does, d- does that kind of outweigh what might be, you know, an average quarterback situation. I don't know. Um, you know, I already kind of made that, you know, that pick with, uh, with my, with my chiefs pick. I just think, um, you know, with Mahomes, some, you know, with the quarterback play, you can, you can really kind of overcome a lot in terms of your passing offense. So yeah, I'd, I, I would kind of bump the dolphins down. I just don't think that they're ready to, to make that leap unless Tua does, but if Tua does make that leap, like if Tua, if Tua can be, you know, a Pro Bowl level player or even just a really good player, I mean, that offense is going to be really, really good. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, they have faith in Tua. They extended his fifth year option, so he's going to be there through at least the 2024 season. So, you know, he's not entering a contract year in this case. So they, they clearly have faith that 
he can stay well and he can stay performing well, like if he stays healthy, obviously. And I mean, it just, it sucks for a guy like that because like we were at that Bengals game when, you know, he had the first concussion he suffered this season, or I guess was, was that the first or second? Did he already have one before that? Before the Bengals well, game? Allegedly. Um, allegedly. You know, had, yeah. Yeah. That was the one where he like, he got hit because the week before they played the, the bills in yeah. Miami and he got up and he was all, you know, you know, new baby deer legs and he couldn't really walk and he like fell down and they said it was a back injury. And they said that that was kind of the reason that, you know, that he, that, uh, you know, that he was out. And I remember going into that game, everybody, well, if, if he gets another hit like that, that could be bad. And what do you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, I know that was so technically, I think it was his first one, but I think yeah, you can kind of figure out what happened there. And the point is, like, it just sucks. Like, it doesn't take away from his talent. Like, I'm with you and I'm with Mike on saying, yeah, I think Tua still – would I put him as a top five quarterback in the AFC? Probably not. But, like, do I think he's good enough to get the Dolphins over the hump? Sure. We will just have to wait and see. But, Andrew, um, you're going to take the floor for this one. Who is the fifth best passing attack in the AFC? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm cool with, with taking the bills here. Um, you know, again, I think Josh Allen is, is kind of in that mold with, with Burrow. And I think you could probably throw Herbert in there too. Um, you know, I think you can rank them as you wish, but I think that they're kind of grouped together, uh, obviously kind of in like another tier behind Mahomes. but, uh, yeah, Josh Allen is, is a very good quarterback. Uh, he's one of the league's best. You got a guy who can throw it a mile. Um, you know, he kind of had a bum elbow last year, and I'm kind of curious to see how he uh, how he rebounds in 2023. Just because, again, we don't really know how much that impacted him. Um, you know, he still threw for you know almost 4,300 yards, had 35 touchdowns, uh, and Stephon Diggs is really good. I think the reason they're this low, despite having um, you know a pretty talented number one receiver and a, uh, a quarterback like they do, is that I, I have questions about their second and third options. Uh, you know, I have it up right now. Gabe Davis, 48 catches, 836 yards. Dawson Knox, 48 catches, 517 yards. Isaiah McKenzie, 42 catches, 423 yards. Like none of those guys like strike fear into you. Uh, you know, I know one of the reasons that they drafted Kincaid was that, you know, Kincaid can play in the slot and you can kind of bump him out. And I don't think they necessarily looked at it as, okay, here's this tight end that's going to, I just think they were like, we need to get somebody that can help out Josh Allen here. Um, so I think, you know, w- when you look at Diggs and Davis and Knox and, and Kincaid, um, you know, I, I like those guys in terms of what they can give Josh Allen. I think the, uh, the upside is kind of there. Um, I, I just, I, I again, I, I have questions about Gabe Davis and, and kind of how high he can climb, um, you know, with, with Kincaid. If he turns into a good option, then uh, you know, then the Bills' offense might be better than it was a year ago, especially with a healthy Josh Allen. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think ranking them at five is probably too low. Like I said, I would have probably put them four. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that if you had a number two receiver, you're you're probably you're probably not any higher just because it, it's hard to put them above the Bengals and the Chargers and the Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, I think you'd feel better about them at number four uh, otherwise. So, I mean, for now, I'll take them at five. What do you think, Mike? Would you take them at five or would you rank them a little higher like Andrew alluded to? 
Well, obviously not since I've drafted the Dolphins ahead of them. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 we saw them, and obviously they were kind of down on their luck uh, after everything that happened. Um, but I, I just options-wise, it seems like they're much more limited than the other off- the other offenses above them uh, with, with their personnel groupings. I think Kincaid will be an important piece for them. Uh, Diggs is an interesting receiver just because he's so combustible that – um, you know, you saw him on the sideline kind of getting frustrated in that, that playoff game. Does he last the season uh, without having any more incidents? Uh, you know, it's just he gets frustrated when the ball's not going his way. And, um, you know, it should a bunch because they don't have any other receivers. But I just think that in terms of, you know, if you're ranking quarterback, sure, I think Allen is above Tua. Um, but if you're ranking offenses, I just don't see how um, – you know, in terms of, you know, what Tyree Kill did, what Waddle did last year, you'd put, um, you know, the Bills ahead of them. And, yeah, honestly, like, I was just going to say that about Stephon Diggs. Like, he still hasn't shown up for voluntary workouts, which, granted... That doesn't matter, though. Yeah, I don't know, though. I don't don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does when he basically, like, walked out of the... It was like what after the game that we mentioned the log, the playoff game he like walked out of the tunnel on his own they tell him hey like you got to go to the locker room and like he tried to yeah, walk it, out on his own yeah okay so he, here's the thing though I I will forgive pretty much any behavior by any Bills player from that Bengals game through the end of the season because everything that they had to go through it was a very emotional few weeks for them sure they, sure, they were sure. Very, that's a like, fair point you know we you heard this kind of after the fact I think Mike brought this up. Um, Mike brought this up immediately after that the Bengals just like in our post game pod. I mean, like the bank or the Bills just didn't have that juice with them in that uh, in that game. It just kind of felt like they didn't really have the energy. And then you kind of hear the breakdown day quotes of all the players like we were exhausted. Like the yeah. last few weeks with the Demar stuff really killed us. And I don't know. I, I I'm not going to read anything into the voluntary workouts. I'm not going to read anything into the end of the game stuff. Because, I mean, he was pissed. You, you lose a playoff game, you're allowed to be pissed. Right. Um, he, that wasn't the first time he's done it, and he, he forced himself out of yeah, this order. Yeah, he has If that's all you have with your number one receiver and he and the things aren't going well, uh, will he get frustrated next year too? I, I, it's not just one incident. It's not that game because I, I agree with you that that game shouldn't be indicated, indicative of um, you know how he uh, was feeling. But, um, you know, I just think in general, uh, you know, that's a, you know, tough spot for them to just have that one guy there um, and you're going to need to kind of make him happy because you really don't have anything else. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I mean, Andrew makes a fair point. Like we can't even imagine what they went through and like, I still can't even imagine that, but I mean, it's just him specifically. I mean, I'm pretty sure in like Minnesota, like you look at the sideline where he would not get a catch. He throws home and get pissed. I mean, nothing against the guy. It's just, again, yeah. Like, like Mike said, that's just kind of a tough situation, but um I think, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, they could be higher. Obviously, they're not. So we are going to move to number six. I was torn on this one, and I want to hear your all's reaction to this before we get to the seventh and final one. But I'm going to put the Jacksonville Jaguars at number six. I really like Trevor Lawrence. I like what he did last year, especially rebounding from, it was like, what, a three and seven star. And then they basically win, what, six of their last seven games. They finished the year nine and eight, sneak into the playoffs you know, have that amazing comeback against the Chargers and what was otherwise a horrible game up to that point before they made that comeback. I mean, you still got Travis Etienne. 
They just picked Tanks Bigsby, who I meet, I think we picked him on one of our mock drafts at one point when we did the joint drafts on the podcast. I mean, they got Tank Bigsby behind him, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley's going to finally play again this year after his whole ordeal that suspended him last year. They just got, or they got Zay, Zay Jones. They still have Evan Ingram. I know they lost, uh, they lost Marvin Jones, but that's why you have Zay Jones who kind of makes up for that. One Jones for the other. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really think. I don't want to put Lawrence in like the Burrow, Allen, Mahomes category, but like if there was a tier after that, I would put him at the top of that tier. And I really like the weapons he has. I do think Christian Kirk's a little overpaid, but with what he's done in that offense, I could be wrong. I mean, he was like their best receiver last year. Um, so yeah, I think the the Jaguars, in my opinion, are the favorite to win the AFC South. No disrespect to. CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, and uh, I'm not going to talk about the Titans because that's another conversation. But, yeah, I think the Jaguars are still the favorite in that division. I think the offense is going to be even better. I mean, like, do you guys think that's that's fair, or do you think you would have probably had someone else like the Ravens higher at number six? Um, I think at this point you can probably have uh, a rotating door. I think that there's another team who I, I think Mike might pick at seven, so I don't want to tip my hand here. Um, but I think that there's – when you look at the Jaguars, certainly, I mean, you have Calvin Ridley coming back. Um, you know, he's coming back from his suspension. You have Trevor Lawrence. Like, if Trevor Lawrence makes that leap, I mean, I don't think in, in kind of what everybody thinks he could be, I don't think that, you know, it's necessarily insane. His year one was not good. Uh, his year two was immeasurably better in so many different ways. Um, you know, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, through for 4,100 yards. Like, to me, I think that if, if Lawrence takes another step, uh, he's probably he, like if he takes that next leap, probably going to be better than Tua. He's at this point in his career, he's probably going to be better than Rodgers. He's probably going to be a better passer than Lamar. Like the, I think that's I think that that's a fair argument. I I wouldn't I wouldn't have taken them at six. I would have you know depending on kind of what's there. I think you could maybe sneak them in at seven. Um, just because again, so much of it is unknown, but. Uh, if Lawrence takes that next leap, you're going to be feeling pretty good about the Jaguars' passing attack. Yeah, I would have taken them. They wouldn't have fallen out of the top seven. I had them as my next pick. Um, I think what they're kind of um, doing around uh, Lawrence is pretty impressive. Obviously, uh, um, got another starting tackle in Antoine Harrison uh, in the draft. Um, so, you know, I think that they um, are building – in a way similar to the Bengals where they're kind of building up those skill positions. Um, obviously, you know, Lawrence is at the center of what they want to do. So they're going to win with him. And and I think that's, you know, as he goes, they go. And I think um, they've got a pretty good uh, up and coming group there. So who is your number seven pick now that I took the Jaguars off your list? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's kind of a crapshoot at this point. I think yeah. Andrew would pick Baltimore, but uh, maybe not. I would <laughs> no. with a sort of an off the uh, – I don't know. I guess I'll take Baltimore. Oh, I wouldn't take Baltimore at seven. Wow. Would you take? I, would, I, would take, I would take the Jets. Um, I was I waiting think, for someone to say that. I think you, I think you, I think you take the Jets. Um, you know, you, you add Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I think, you know, Garrett Wilson kind of proved that you know, he could be potentially like a future star in this league at receiver. Um, you know, you, you fix your offensive line a little bit. Uh, I, I think that you you give Aaron Rodgers some time. You have Garrett Wilson. 
Um, you, you, I know you move Elijah Moore, but uh, you bring over Lazard, which is kind of hilarious that you know Aaron Rodgers spends all those years saying like I can't believe the the Packers never did anything for me, and then immediately he's like, well, let's just bring all my friends. Um, you know, they they have Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb's there. But again, I just think that with Rodgers, with Garrett Wilson as your number one, that's a really nice that's a really nice number one. You have Lazard, they bring in Michael Hardman, they bring in Randall Cobb, you still have Corey Davis. I think that that's a that's a pretty good receiving core. Ty Conklin's your tight end. Got Brees Hall. In terms of passing, okay. he doesn't really do much for you in the passing attack, but um, you know, yeah. I think that uh, you know, I think CJ Uzama. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's the yeah. Is he gonna? He's not really gonna play that much though with Conklin, especially with the receivers. Yeah, you um, never know. But uh, yeah, I think that the Jets are fine. The thing with the Ravens is, I think if we're doing top seven offenses, I think in general, I'm putting them in there yeah. like really easily. Uh, yeah, you know, they they kind of make it. I think with room to spare, I just you know with you you need like Lamar. I think is a way better passer than he's ever been given credit for. I think that kind of stems back to his time at Louisville. But uh, you're, you're talking about eh, same thing. Uh, mm. You're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., who's coming in, who hasn't played in a year. Uh, he's going to be your number one slash number two. Uh, Bateman, I'm really high on, but Bateman was hurt last year. Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in football. You know he's going to be really good. You've just got a lot of unknowns in that receiving core. You've got a guy coming off an injury um, who who missed the whole year. You got a guy coming off an injury who missed entirely the whole or almost the whole year, and then you've got a rookie. And if those guys hit, uh, the Ravens' offense is going to be lethal, and we're going to have this conversation as we get towards the season. But yeah, I just for now it's it's too much projection of you know like I think with the with the Jaguars it's a little bit of projection of kind of things that we've seen. Uh, with the Ravens, it's projection of things that we haven't seen. You got a new yeah. offensive coordinator in there. Just really really hard to tell. Yeah, yeah I think the Jets think, are the same yeah. way. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't very good last year. Randall Cobb wasn't very good last yeah. year. How does that whole group look? Um, you know, I just like They're the both ta- old. I guess I like I like the talent uh, the Ravens have put together. Yeah. OBJ doesn't do anything for me, but I like like Zay Flowers, like Andrews. Um, you know, obviously the new offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I I I like that better, that core better going forward than I do the Jets. That's yeah, why it's, I, a, reasonable, it's yep. a reasonable argument. I don't think that. Yeah, I mean, when you get to this point in the game, I think I mean everybody's got flaws. Um, you know, even the Chargers and the Chiefs have flaws. I just, I think when you get to this point in the game, you can kind of have a bunch of different conversations. So we're all human. We all have flaws, right? What's, what's that one song? I'm not even going to sing it because it's so cheesy. It's, I think it was Hannah Montana. She's like, everyone makes mistakes. Oh, point boy. is, you, you, you can find, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. That's like two 2006 for me. Point is, we're all human. Um, that's all the time we have for this podcast, but just to kind of round up the list again. So number one, we got the Chargers. Number two, we have the uh, Chiefs. Number three, the Bengals. Number four, the Dolphins. Number five, the Bills. Number six, the – I picked this. I should not be blanking. The Jaguars. And number seven, Baltimore. And I guess we'll give the Jets an honorable mention. Thanks for tuning in for this special edition of the Strict Tracks podcast. Tune in tomorrow. We have another special edition. Lance Reisland, our special contributor, breaks down some film of the Bengals draft picks with me. It's going to be an exciting one. You don't want to miss it. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. <laughs>